Hi guys, this is Hiba. And this is Carly. And you're listening to Elbow Room. Elbow Room is a podcast where we'll talk to a variety of cool people doing interesting things, catch up with each other and discuss stories that caught our attention, and make room for different voices to share their experiences and perspectives. And have some fun. And have some fun! We've got a great first episode for you, if I do say so myself. And here's the agenda. First, Carly and I update each other on some things that recently happened in our lives. Then, the very first installment of a segment called How Rude, in which we call out people who are being so rude. Then we have an interview with our very first guest, Tessa Echeverria, who will talk to us about many things, including her recording studio, as well as women in the music industry. And finally, we discuss what we are making room for in our lives these days. Hey Carly, what'd you do this weekend? Well, on Friday, I watched a spooky movie with my friend Tyler. We watched a movie called The Invitation, which... I don't know what that is. It's... I'm really confused about its release. My friend in Chicago saw it in theaters, but my friend in Minneapolis torrented it, and I downloaded it from Amazon to be able to watch it. It has the guy from the OC, Trey, who plays Trey, which is like Ryan's older brother. Yeah. yeah. Did you watch the OC? I, I know the characters because I never like actually watched it, but my friends did. So like if I was over at their house, yeah. I would see it and I would pretend to know what it is. Yeah. Well, so he, like I know the characters, but that's about it. He's the main character. Yeah. Um, You know, there's been some trauma in his life. Yeah. But he's invited over to what you figure out is his ex-wife's house that he used to live in with her with her new boyfriend or husband or something and i mean he goes with his girlfriend it's set in the hills of la and it's like very spooky you know surreal mulholland drive type uh-huh. eeriness um can't say much about it without giving stuff away but it's like a really slow build and then it ends up being really scary i fell asleep a couple of times to uh-huh. be honest but it's okay because Tyler was freaking out enough for the both of us to <laughs> alert me to when I should be spooked. Yeah. Yeah, what'd, cool. you, what'd you do this weekend? Um, I had some good meals. I did some apartment hunting research. Ooh. And I learned a lot, but also it scared me because I learned about, like, all, like, the crazy things I have to do in New York to find an apartment that I don't have to do here. Um, like, and what? I'm, like... You have to do, like, I mean, okay, so basically I can't look for apartments until they said two to four weeks before I'm supposed to move. Two to four weeks. Yeah. Why? So, like, because you don't have to give notice before a month before you vacate your apartment. So, like, you can just tell your landlord, I'm leaving next month. Wow. Yeah, so they can't, like, they can't advertise, like, it's very rare that an apartment isn't for immediate Mm move-in. So... I'm basically just planning on going at some point. Dang. I'd be like, hey, I'm here. Where's an apartment? Um, so, yeah. Uh, what else did I do? It was my friend's birthday on Saturday, and our other friend who does drag put on a little show for us. Nice. And she was really surprised, and I got it all on video. I can oh, show you perfect. that. Yeah. It was really good. It was amazing. Nice. Yeah. I had a good weekend. Cool. Me too. Yeah. I guess actually on Saturday I went to Milwaukee. Yeah. And that that was fun. That was a good time. Did the lakefront brewery tour. 
which is, I don't know if you've ever done that. No. Um, it's pretty, I guess, entertaining. The guides make a lot of jokes and stuff. The thing is, though, that you know how I have such a hard time distinguishing lyrics at yeah. shows? Yeah, yeah. I had kind of a similar problem with this guy because he sort of shout explains everything because uh, he's supposed to be so funny yeah, that yeah. he's just like <laughs> back in whatever time blah 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 like he's just by the time everyone else was laughing and the punchline happened I was like huh oh <laughs> you know just a, like a couple steps behind yeah. everyone else yeah um but still a pretty good tour pretty good time in Milwaukee just hanging out with friends cool yeah good update thanks Okay, so I have a pretty good story for our How Rude segment this week. So after the Lakefront Brewery Tour, we went to a restaurant, like a great Mexican restaurant, a little like hole in the wall, you know, yeah. it's only like four fifty for some tacos. It was awesome. Awesome. But uh, then we went to uh, another couple bars and we went to this one bar. I can't even remember what neighborhood we were in. Any case, um... We went to this other bar, yeah, Victoria's, and yeah, it was. I mean, when we got there, there was no one else in there. It was just the bartender. It's a little tiny dive bar, but they've got like pool, or no, they've got like Hammerschlagen, and like the giant Jenga. Oh yeah, and stuff. So, and that's why we went there to have something to do, to have some fun while we're hanging out. Yeah, yeah. And um, after we were there for a little while, I was in search of the restroom. And, I mean, this is just one room bar. Not big at all. Yeah. And so there's a sign that says women. And so I'm like, okay, like, head to the women's room. I go and try to open up the door, and it's locked. And the bartender calls out. He's this, like, older dude. Yeah. You know, like, I would say 60 plus. And he's like, wrong. And I was like, what? Like, what? And he's like, wrong door. And, I mean, this there's this giant sign, on like, oh, bathroom sign that says women. Yeah. And I was like, what? Like, what? He's like, it's like this door over here. And so it's just some unmarked blank door. And I was like, what? Why would, Why you, would do you do that? that? And he was like, oh, well, it's better than where we used to have it. They used to have it on the door that went out to the dumpster. Oh, my God. Yeah, not even shitting you. I was so furious. Oh, my God. And, like, luckily I was with... A couple of friends who are understanding guys and like, and we're also all like, why would you have a door that says women? That's not the bathroom. Yeah. Like, why would you do that? I mean, so like, is the men's sign? There's no <laughs> men's sign. There's no men's sign. Oh my God. What a metaphor for life. Yeah. Guys, you can piss anywhere you want. Well, ladies, and, let's confuse you. Yeah. I, and it was so annoying to me because... Like, as much as my friends were like, yeah, that's, like, an asshole move, they, it's just one of those things where you're, like, you're never going to understand the threat of that. Yeah. Like, it's purposefully, like, hey, dumb women, you've been drinking, now you have to pee, here's the dumpster. Yeah, that's, it's also just, like, uh, I can't stop thinking about, like, like, throwing a woman out 
left in a dumpster. I know. Like, it just, I know. It seems like, like really violent her. for some reason. Like, I just don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. It's like luring her yeah. to the dumpster. It's, you know, like, can you imagine, yeah. like, if I had actually been, like, super drunk there and then, like, a crowded bar. And or, then you went outside. Or people I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That's gross. It made me so mad. Cool. What's this place called? Victoria's. Victoria's. In Milwaukee. Don't go to Victoria's. Never go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Making enemies on our first episode. Yeah, for real. (laughs) Victoria's. How rude. Today we are talking to our friend Tessa Echeverria about her many projects, which include her studio, Williamson Magnetic Recording Company, and about the climate of Madison's music scene, as well as women in the music and recording industry. Do you want my full name? Do you want to say your full name? I don't care. (laughs) Yes. Tessa Reyna Wiley de Echeverria. Cool. Thanks. (laughs) Tessa, you do so many things. You do so many things. I literally can't believe that you made it here right on time. Can you tell us what you do in a day? Walk us through a typical day. Walk us through your day today. I can walk you through my day today. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. I went to work at 5. A.M. 5 a.m. Yes, yes. (laughs) Uh, I did delivery for the bakery that I work at. So I drove around town to all the stores and delivered bread and granola. And then... I got back, I put away orders that we had for a while, and then we've just hired a new person, so I trained him into maintenance. We went around and uh, did oil changes and greased the machines in the bakery. And then I met my business partner, Mark, for coffee to talk about studio stuff, and then I went into the studio, aligned tape decks, and then I came here. I only understood, like, Half of one. <laughs> I know. I only I got, like couldn't expect Sorry. any of that. I was like bakery deliveries. Okay. I yeah. That was the thing that was gonna happen. <laughs> so um. my day job is I work at a worker-owned co-op bakery. So there are seven of us that own and run the business. So we do all the like we each have a section of the business that we're responsible for maintaining. Uh, and then we each do production work. So on a given day, I could either be baking bread or making granola or out in stores delivering. It just sort of depends on what you sign up for. Um, we're just hired a new person. So I'm training them to be the maintenance coordinator at work. I'm the marketing coordinator. So I do like the website and ads and run like sales in the grocery stores. I make sure that like, you know, people know about our product. We just did a label change. That was like our big thing. Uh, our finance manager is leaving and I'm taking over that at the end of the week. So I'll be doing the books and the marketing. Wow. At night I do a studio, which is an analog recording studio that I run with my business partner, Mark. We have two tape decks that we, one we mix down to, um, and they weren't aligned at it, like exactly the same. So like if you throw like a 1k or a 10k frequency, should hit like a certain spot on the meter and they should be exactly the same. Mm. And so like we're sending off a mastered mix to a mastering engineer to like get ready to press to vinyl. We'll put frequencies on the deck 
And then when he takes the tape and puts it on his, he'll align his deck to that tape. And so we just want to make sure that the path is like correct all the way through mm-hmm. so that when it transfers to a different machine outside of our studio, they can understand what all the frequencies are and align their decks properly. So we were in there adjusting. Like there's a bunch of mechanical stuff you have to adjust to get like the bias right on the decks for the tape. So we were working on that. And very exciting. <laughs> a lot. So number one, how did you ever get interested or start at the bakery? Um, I finished college and I didn't particularly have a plan. Like I didn't want to go to grad school. I wasn't totally sure what I wanted to do. I got my undergrad in economics and I was like, I don't want to go get a master's in economics. I'm not sure what I want to do. And I had a plan to go... Um, and visit and stay with my family in Guatemala with my sister for like a year. One of my cousins runs like a nature preserve and like an old coffee plantation down there. And so they have like cabins and stuff you could stay at. But they wanted to learn Spanish more and like do that. And we're like, okay. My sister got in a committed relationship and decided she didn't want to leave with like two weeks notice. So I was like, I don't really want to go by myself for a year. Um, and so I went out to Detroit because I was thinking about taking a job in Detroit and I didn't, I just didn't feel right moving to Detroit for a job in 2007. It was just like, I got there and I was like, I can't do this. This seems so wrong. Your unemployment is like 70%. There is no way, like there is a qualified person in this city for this job. You should not be giving it to me. And I was biking back to Washington for the summer. And I stopped in Madison to visit some friends. And then I ended up getting into a housing co-op that I really liked. And then I got the job at the bakery. And I was like, I like it here. I didn't necessarily have a plan of like going someplace else. So I'll stay here till I come up with a plan of what I want to do with my life. And that was five years ago. (laughs) So this, I guess, became my plan. But I started working at the bakery because I saw the ad in the isthmus and they needed a maintenance uh, coordinator. And I was like, I know how to do like most of that stuff, like building maintenance, a little bit of machine, stuff like that. Um, I went and applied and I did maintenance for two years and then I moved into finance and marketing and now I'm doing both of them. Wow. Cool. Yeah. How have you, how long have you been learning all the analog audio stuff? Like when did that start? Did that start before Willie Mae or did you kind of learn Um, by yourself at all? So like I did some, I did like, I did a podcast. I did like some live music recording. I did like a little bit of digital recording, but I didn't do a lot. Um, I was talking to my friend Mark. I was like, I really want to record my band. I want to make like records. And I was talking about the ways that I wanted to do it to be a little bit more old school in like the sound you get from the record. I don't know if you guys know the band Raining Sound. They came out with a record last year and it was like, it's been one of my favorite new records, but they like went kind of old school with their sound. I was like, wow, that sounds really impressive. Like I like the, the way of doing that. And so I was talking to Mark about it, and I was like, so I want to go, I think, to school for it. 
He was like, well, that's fine, but not going to teach you how to make analog records like for rock bands or mm-hmm. like indie rock. Like they're going to teach you how to get a job in the industry, which is going to be like making advertisements or like installing sound systems. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's mostly like what you're going to do out of that. Um, but we could start a studio together and I could teach you. And I was like, wow, yes, that sounds way more exciting. And so analog, mostly I've only started since like we opened in November. So like, that's the only analog recording I've done. So I'm learning like a million things a week. Like it's crazy. Like what I said at the beginning, like I wouldn't have understood that eight months ago. I was like, you're aligning something. What is it? Because like the weird thing and the thing I love about analog is that it's a physical medium. You know, you're on your computer and you're like, I'm going to like hit that button and I will hear a certain frequency and that's fine. But like on the tape deck, it's like, oh, I have to put this tape up. Oh, I hear this frequency. Okay, I'm going to adjust these like five different knobs and then I'm going to check like the voltage that's going to this thing. And then I have to like change the tension between the rolls. And there's just like all of this like physical stuff you have to do to align everything correctly for like each roll of tape. You mm-hmm. can't just like do it and then be like... All right, that's set for like six months, you know, so it makes it a much more like engaging process for me. You're like, know what you're doing to the sounds and how you're manipulating them and what you can do with them and what that means to the actual like sound wave properties versus like what you're hearing. Yeah, totally. A lot of people I know that do music or art in general are very weary about entering the business of it because they think like, oh, once I start getting stressed out about doing stuff to make money or, you know, like admin stuff to do with art that I'm going to hate it and I don't want to do it anymore. Are you feeling that way at all or Um, is it still the same? There are times when I hate it. (laughs) Uh, Obviously, there's times when you hate everything you do, whether or not it's what you rely on for your income. There are times when I play a show that I'm not making any money on, and I'm like, God, I do not want to be here. Like, I had a show the other day, and, like, the show was fine. All the bands were nice. I just had, like, a 15-hour day, and I was like, I just don't care. Like, I would rather not be here, which means, like, but, like, you got it. You make a commitment, you got to show up. And, like, ultimately, I enjoyed playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, the, you know, I hear that a lot. I hear it's like, oh, I don't want it to be my job. Right. Um, and that's totally fine. Like, the, you know, there are things that I do that I don't want to be my job. I don't want drumming to be my job. That's what I do for fun. It's yeah. like my stress relief. Mm-hmm. But just because something is something that you make money off of or make a living off of doesn't mean that like it stops being your like creative outlet. Mm-hmm. I love running small businesses. I think it's a lot of fun. It's something I helped my mom with when I was a kid. It's something I did on my own when I was a kid too. Like I was always starting businesses. I was like, this is awesome. I'm starting up business. What businesses were you starting when you were younger? I had a lawn care business when I was in high school. Uh, when I was younger, I had a jewelry making business. Wow. 
Wow. I made stained glass like window displays. Uh, you know, I did the I did the typical like lemonade mm-hmm. stand when mm-hmm. I was younger. I would I was always making like weird craft things that I would then go and like sell. That's really impressive. <laughs> do people uh, often tell you that you're an entrepreneur? Like, do you, did you ever like walk into that? Because I feel like when I was in the marketing school and stuff, there were some people who were literally going to school for entrepreneurship and to be able to just mold into anything. Did you ever have that mindset or do you think that it was more so growing up, helping your mom and everything? It was just like, my mom always just said she was just like, you were the busiest kid from like age like seven. I had a schedule like every day. (laughs) Like I love being busy. I do. I hate not having something to do. It drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, it was like three years ago, I had like two days off of work. (laughs) And uh, I ran for the Wart Board of Directors, became the president of Wart for like two years. And it was like, I definitely didn't have time to do that. I was going to school at night. I was working full time. But I was just like, man, I don't have anything to do today. And then there was the Wart Annual Meeting. I was like, okay, I'll run. Like, sure. It's just fun. Yeah. I think that's why you are one. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, I think those people that go to school to learn to be one yeah. really aren't. Because it's, it's, like, I mean, I'm sure this isn't true for everybody. But I think if you need to be molded to have that sort of mentality, then you always need to think about it really yeah. mechanically. Mm-hmm. And if it's not natural and fun for you, then... Yeah, I guess that's a strange thing well. to do. Yeah. Like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. I never understood really what you learn School. I mean, like, I went to school at MATC for graphic design. I learned a lot of really interesting things because, like, you know, you just, like, learn the Adobe suite so well. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, I did screen printing and photography and stuff. Like, I definitely learned stuff. But a lot of the classes were just teaching you that what you needed to do was to, like, make art. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, you don't need to teach me that. Yeah. Like, Teach me, like, the physical skills of, like, how do I do something faster in Illustrator? But, like, teaching me, like, I should draw every day to become a better drawer? Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Like, obviously (laughs) I should do that. Like, if I draw once a month, I'm not going to get very good. Like, that seems pretty apparent. Like, practice. Uh We got that. We all learned that at a very young age. Mm -hmm. And so I have a harder time learning in, like, a school environment because I feel like so much of it when it comes to like skill-based things but when it's like more training for a career it's like teaching you common sense and I'm like I have that already (laughs) (laughs) um you might be in the minority (laughs) even like practicing something yeah like that's not obvious for some people (laughs) don't get me wrong I get frustrated very quickly (laughs) If I'm not, like, perfect at doing something within, like, a few minutes, I get really annoyed. <laughs> I'm like, I did this once. Yeah. I should be able to do it perfectly every time now uh-huh. afterwards. Uh-huh. Patience is my, my least developed skill. Let's talk about women in music. 
What is the ratio of women to men that visit your studio? Well, like, there's a couple different categories. There's the people who come to the shows. What was really weird was on Saturday night, it was like 80% women. And I was like, awesome. oh my goodness, this never happens. Where did all these women come from? Yeah. Like, what is going <laughs> on? Because generally, I would say, you know, if there's like 50 people watching a show, there's probably like six women. Like, if you two aren't there, then there's usually four. Like, yeah. you know, there's, like, not a lot of women that come to rock shows in Madison. Mm-hmm. And I hate that people think that it's because women aren't into music. You know what? If I didn't know anyone and I went to a show and there were all of you dudes, I wouldn't come back. Oh, my goodness. Sometimes you see a woman walk into a show and, like, 10 guys go up and talk to her in, like, two minutes. Sometimes I even, like, pull some of them aside. I'm like, do you realize this person is never going to come back if you keep doing this? Like, leave them the fuck alone. Most of them think, like, oh, I'm being welcoming. But I'm like, no, like, you're being very overbearing and overwhelming. That's how it's coming across. You know, there's definitely like a culture that comes with the music that gravitates towards not being very open towards women. Why do you think that is? I'm not sure. I think a lot of the issues that I have with punk and rock culture is that it's this kind of, it's like a rebellious teenager in a lot of ways. It's like, I'm going to do what I want when I want. You can't Mm -hmm. tell me what to do. So that means, like, if I want to break a glass bottle, I'm going to do it. It can be so self-centered. Like, it's all about you. It's all about individualism, which means that there's not a lot of respect for spaces or people most Mm -hmm. of the time. And that's a really hard thing to combat with being like, you can do what you want and be respectful of the people and places around you. Like, that doesn't have to stop your good time. I'm not trying to be a buzzkill. Right. Go do what you want, but then, like, if you want to throw shit, then, like, go to a warehouse show and throw shit. Mm-hmm. If you want, you know, like, there's, there should be spaces for different types of shows, and people can express themselves in different ways. Just, like, don't be a 14-year-old and understand, like, what is an appropriate behavior in a situation. Mm-hmm. And so then there's the bands that play at the studio. I never book all-male shows. I won't do it. Like, there has to be at least one band with a woman in it. And I usually like to find, like, more than that. I've only booked two touring bands that were all males. And, like, that's not to say I won't book male bands, but it's just, like, it's so much harder to be like, let's get at least some gender balance Mm -hmm. in these bills. So there's always at least one woman usually more like four or five women throughout the different bands that are playing in a night of the studio, which I think is helping with the gender of the audience a little bit over time because Mm -hmm, like booking female bands brings more uh, female audience members, even if it's just like their friends, you know? The bands that I book is like what I have the most control over for shows, right? Because like the bands that play at the studio to record, those are like, you know, like, I'll record anybody. Like, it doesn't matter how into your music I am. Like, you know, that's that's a completely different, like, service. Right. So we recorded Tarpaulin, which is, you know, two women and a guy. And all the songs are written by a woman. We recorded 
my two bands and uh, we recorded this blues band Cashbox Kings and they had a guest pianist and she was a woman. So four women have recorded at the studio. That's it. That is it. Including uh, yourself. Including myself. I'm I'm one and of those two four. of your friends. And two of my friends, yes. Out of about how many recording sessions have you done? Like how many bands? There have been at least forty guys that have recorded <laughs> in the studio. Yeah. What can I do? There's that point where you're just sort of like, Well, I would love to record female musicians. But, like, when 90% of the bands are literally all guy bands, and then, like, the other 10% have, like, one or two women in them, you know, it just hasn't really happened yet, unfortunately. And then it gets worse because, you know, we've done tours for MMI of, like, being a recording studio. So we Mm -hmm. had a bunch of, like, students come in. There were about 20 students. No women. There are no women even in the class this year. And then we had the Wisconsin sound engineering society's meeting and there was a woman there it was really exciting she came up and talked to me like immediately afterwards she was like hey i was like wow yeah (laughs) because like i you know i don't know all the numbers but it's definitely one of the most still male dominant professions i remember when i talked to mark about starting it he was like oh there's a female engineer in california I was like, that's cool. <laughs> and she's like doing like a little mini school. So she's like training women to be sound engineers. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. It's very challenging to be in in that situation with like all male bands sometimes. And it's just like you have to prove that you're not an idiot constantly. And like God. that like you're actually like a, the person who's going to be recording them. Oh my You God. know, like... I think most people think that, like, I'm, like, the secretary or something. Uh, like, even people come to shows and people will be like, oh, it's this test place. And they're like, oh, like, you book shows here? I'm like, no, like, I own the business. And they're like, you do? And I'm like, yeah. yep. You get irritated sometimes. I think that's probably, and you said earlier, like, about doing creative stuff as, like, a business. That's the most obnoxious part of it. The most yeah. obnoxious part is, like, proving that I'm not an idiot all the time. Doing the actual recording, like, that's always fun. It's mm-hmm. so much fun to be like, oh, this is what your sound is. I'm going to capture it the best way that I can. And then, like, listen back. And, like, making people happy with what their music sounds like is awesome. What can we do to fix that? What are <laughs> solutions for fixing that? Because yeah. obviously, I mean, the shows and, like, the, the physical aspect of attending a show and, like, not wanting to be in a place where you feel like your body is being attacked is one thing. But the sort of inequality in terms of wanting to record or, like, wanting to be an artist or, like, being involved in that part of it is so clearly to me, like, women are constantly silenced. So it's going to be harder for a woman to be an artist or a writer or a musician or whatever. So, like, what can we do to change that? Smash the patriarchy, obviously. Cool. Uh, Done. (laughs) We're on it. (laughs) Over. Uh, You know, like, there's not a lot you can do as an individual in your daily life that's going to change that fact. Right. Right. But, like, there are things when it comes to the local level that you can change as an individual. And I think people forget about that a lot. Like, you always look at the big picture and you're like, man, I want to end racism. I'm like, well, that's great, but you can't. Like, there's literally nothing you can do to end racism. You cannot be racist. And, like, you can promote 
bills that aren't and you can try and elect people to office that aren't and you can protest when shitty things happen but like you cannot end racism like you can't end sexism you can't end classism like there's nothing you can do but when it comes to your community you can do a ton to change it and that's how you spread the change from the neighborhood to the city to the county you know like baby steps suck (laughs) because you want to see everything fixed And when you put a lot of effort into something, you're like, I worked hard. It should be better now. But you have to work hard every day. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be better for years. The ground level is like, what is the access? Like, what are the venues? What are the prejudices of that community? And like, how can you move to change them? Because you have to change everyone's mindset before like it'll have real lasting effect. Because then that becomes the new culture. literally everything (laughs) (laughs) if someone was like here you can have like a trillion dollars or you can have Hermione Granger's time changer so that you can do more shit in your day I would pick the time changer every single time like there are so many (laughs) things I want to do in my life all the time like there's never enough time in the day uh so I mean I guess ultimately right now like what I try and make the most time for is doing music and like sound engineering and so like I'm always trying to make more time to do that but ideally I'd like to like play on a sports team again and like spend a lot more time cooking and like learn some more foreign languages because that's a very important skill that pretty much everyone should have Mm -hmm. before I'm willing to be a parent I have to like at least be fluent in two languages because raising a child not bilingual in this day and age is like such a disservice to them Like, how could you do that? Like, they (laughs) definitely need to know at least English and Spanish if they're going to live in this country and they're going to live in a different country. Like, I mean, you should probably know Chinese too, Mm -hmm. let's be honest. It's true. (laughs) Before we wrap up the interview, can you let our listeners know where to find more info about your studio and anything else you want to plug? Williamson Magnetic Recording. Um, It's like williamsonmagnetic.com or you can find us on Facebook. Uh, And yeah, we do recording sessions. Um, and then also like shows if you're a local band or touring band. Um, you're in some uh, bands. What are their names? Oh yeah. Right. Uh, I'm in <laughs> Gonzo Rungs, which is like a garage punk band. And I'm in a band Jonesies, which is a indie pop band. You can find us on Bandcamp or Facebook. Plug anything. No. Uh, don't be a shitty person. It's not that hard. That's, that's my plug. Cool. <laughs> Tessa, thank you so much for sitting and talking with us and inspiring us and reassuring us that <laughs> people are doing important things yeah. in Madison. <laughs> it really is nice to hear it straight from the mouth of Yeah, friend. seriously, because we talk about these things all the time. Yeah. Like, almost every show we go to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thanks for asking me to come on. I'm glad that it worked out. Uh, and I'm excited for your guys' project. Thanks. Thank you. More I'm enjoying things.
Carly, what do you need more room for in your life these days? I literally need more room in my closet. I I need to take the time to clean out the one closet in my one bedroom apartment. It's a giant closet, but everything goes in there. I just need to take the time to get organized and and clean that out because I know it'll really ease my mind when I can go into my closet and find exactly what I'm looking for mm-hmm. without having to dig through piles of stuff. I've just been putting this off for months and months, but I feel like this is the time. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make luck. literal room in that closet. What about you? What do you need more room for these days? Um, I'm going to make an effort to make more room for my good friends and my family before I move to New York. I want to spend some quality time with everybody that I love because I feel like I'm going to move. It's like coming up really quickly and I'm going to miss people more than I'm letting on I feel like I'm just like being very chill about it but it's gonna suck like it's gonna it's gonna be exciting but I'm gonna be like my entire support system is here Mm -hmm. in Wisconsin including my family Mm -hmm. except for my sister who lives in Chicago but like everybody's gonna be far away I can't just like drive for an hour and see my parents or like you know like be like hey what are you guys doing let's go get dinner yeah you know and I'm sure I'll make new friends because I'm very likable yeah. And fun. I'm sure you will too. <laughs> and I'm I'm ready to take up some room in that in Thanks. that list. Yeah, yeah, you're invited. Thanks to Good. everything I'm doing. Clear your schedule for the next month. Dude, done. Cool. Thank you to Tessa Echeverria for being a great first guest on our podcast. Mary Dalman Begley and Peter Briggs created the music for Elbow Room. Luis Perez created our logo. Thanks for listening. 